Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Y. That's code W-H-Y-Y for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG dot com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources whether it's her first mother's day or her 40th she deserves more shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at diamonds direct diamond fashion jewelry beautiful birthstones everyday pearls starting at just 200 commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom this mother's day diamonds direct has everything you need to say thank you Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Welcome to The Why with Dwayne Wade. I am honored to be able to sit and have a conversation with a legend icon named Pat Riley. Rouse, thank you for taking this moment. You kidding me, man? Taking this moment. Come into my office here, my presidential office downstairs, where we (laughs) entertain everybody, just tear it apart and set up. You and I look good. Where are you up there? I feel good being in the main chair. This is the main chair right here, Pat. Yeah, that's a good good. chair. It's 21 years old. But, Dwayne, anywhere, anytime, we can sit down and chat, you know. Yeah. Anytime. So last time we seen each other, let's start there. Yeah, okay. It was uh it was at the Hall of Fame. Yes, it was. <laughs> it wasn't your first time there. Um but question to you, yeah. when you were able to have players, you've had a lot of players going back to Magic and oh. Kareem yeah. and James, when you've had all these players who have these great careers and then they end up in a Hall of Fame moment, how does that feel from your eyes sitting there in those seats watching your players up there? Uh, you know, they're so unique. Yeah. Uh, all of the players that become, you know, Hall of Fame players, they're, they're unique athletes, very, very talented, you know, all of them high IQ players, but all of them, contrary to maybe public opinion, you know, they're grinders too. Mm-hmm. They really grind. Mm-hmm. And, and so all of the people that I knew that I coached, that made it into the Hall of Fame. I knew their past. I, I knew their history, where they come from, and maybe what it was like. Maybe I didn't live it, but I knew it. And uh, to see them up there is such a sacred moment for the individual that even 
family members don't understand. And it's the pinnacle. So if there's a legacy, uh, and I don't really believe in legacies. Uh, really? I think it's, no, I don't. Uh, that's a narrative by somebody else who wants to create a legacy. Uh, I understand I've been part of teams that have legacies, and, and I've been around players who are, you know, have a, have a legacy. But when you're standing there at the Hall of Fame, and I'm watching – I gave a speech, you gave a speech, it was incredible. And it brings tears to my eyes because I know that's the last thing that yeah. we sort of do. Yeah. <laughs> and getting the acknowledgement and the recognition for a career, but not just a career, for a life. Because those people who elect you into the Hall of Fame don't know what you had to do to get to, get to the them. first level. The mm -hmm. first level. Right. And once you get to the first level and you get recognized and you're hungry, you say, is this all I got to do to be great? Uh, or is this all I have to do to be recognized is play basketball? And then we get better and better and better. And so that final recognition is, uh, is one that, you know, very few people have. Yeah. I mean, you have one, I have one, you know, but all the players that we hang from the rafters here is just an incredible feeling to see, you know, to see, uh, I get very melancholy when I, when I, listen to the players that I coach speak and um, it was wonderful. You know, it does actually feel like that. Like when I took the stage and I took a minute just to look out, yeah. I was like, it's going to be other great moments in life, but from basketball and everything I put into this sport, this is, mm -hmm. this is the last moment like this. And I just kind of yeah. like took that deep yeah. breath and took it in, That'd you know? Great. And, and that's what I've noticed, you know, over the years. I remember when I went in, uh, and, and I love them to death, and we always used to have have fun. And so they gave us seven minutes. Uh, you had a seven minute speech. That's all you had. There was no teleprompter back then. And so uh, I was the very last one of eleven that that gave speeches that night. Wait, yours was seven minutes? No. Oh, I had it. I had it at seven. And then Dick Vitale, who I loved to death was right before me. He went 37 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and so I'm going with my seven-minute speech here. And, uh, and, you know, Dick was great, and he went off and, uh, and had a great speech. And then when I, I went up there and I looked at the audience, <laughs> they, they were, it was like three and a half Were you last? Hours. I was last. Yeah, so like me, we were last. Yeah, yeah. last. And, um, and so I messed my speech up. I didn't really give a great speech. I had a good speech, but then I messed it up because I started to go rogue. You don't want to do that at the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, know what so you had that I blue card that. up there, didn't you? You had, uh, that, you had your blue card. I had my blue card right there. I had like everything I was going to say in order. I had it, you know, thank yous. That's it. Just thank you to everybody. And then I went off. Yeah. Which I had a tendency to do when I spoke to the team. Yeah. I would just divert, <laughs> but it's uh, it, it really is a special, a special place, and um, and so yeah. there's not much more you can say about it. You know, I, I look at it as you know the final thing for me in my career, but you know, as a coach, but you know, I, I continue on, you know? Yeah. Are there it. glaring like characteristics when it comes to players that can be capable of being on that stage one day that you look, that you look for when you're, you know, trying to build team around a certain kind of yeah. talent? What, what are those characteristics? Well, I think you see it almost immediately. I mean, it, I mean, I think players see it in other players. I, I think, uh, 
you know, GMs and presidents that, that draft, mm-hmm. you know, or sign. Uh, I think you see it, it being incredible talent. You see that. And then when, when the whole package is, is refined and honed and a player needs two or three years of experience in the league, even if they're talented, um, you know, you see something unique. So the one thing that always, you know, for me, you know, was, you know, the integrity that a player had in getting better. Would they, would they really work to get better? Yeah. I, I remember the first year that you came here as a rookie, and I remember Stan working with you yeah. from half court to each elbow to each elbow, working on your handle behind the back, whatever it is, going left, going right, and pulling up on that jumper, going all the way, and just over and over and over. And so, you know, once you see that in, in a player – where he's already great, he's already gifted, he's already talented. I saw you, you know, in you know, in the Marquette game, and and then you arrived. You arrived in the second year. You got hurt, but you really arrived in the finals. Yeah. That was the breakthrough. And so every great player has a has a real breakthrough moment when their back is so against the wall. Yeah, and. And you said, I'm not going out like this. That's I'm when you find out. Be. Yeah. That's when you and find you out what you're made of. Scored 15 in a row. But uh, that was a magical time. And that's why I always say that at that time, in those moments, every player is the greatest player in the world. Over a period of two months, the playoffs, six weeks, whatever it was. Yep. And that's where you had landed at that time. B-I-W. Your third year. <laughs> third year, you were the greatest player on the planet, man, and everybody knew it. I used to get those uh, those text messages from you before oh, yeah. games, and it'll yeah. you know, start with B-I-W. Yeah. Little Pearl. Yeah. Little uh, B-I-W. It set, me, it set me right, though. You know, yeah, I know. That, well, that, that gives right. you a mindset. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you don't have to give a long text to a player. Most of the time, a player look at a long text, they just won't even read it. Yeah. Know? I think, but like the B-I-W, best in the world, that's the responsibility of those initials for me. It yeah. wasn't just go out there and score a lot of points. No. What I, what I look at as best in the world to be that, so many other things that I have to bring to the game yeah. and bring to my teammates. Sure. And so I took yeah. pride in those yeah. those three letters because sure. it was like, all right, like I so I need to be a leader. Yeah, I need to yeah. I need to defend tonight. I you know I need to do more than just you know highlight reel. Yeah. And so I took a lot of a lot of pride in those letters. Well, it all comes, uh, Dwayne, uh, the process of real leadership, and it's very simple. You know, leadership is an interactive relationship. You know, whereby you get put in a position, you get hired, uh, players vote you in, uh, you just rise to that position and you take it mm-hmm. and to get a result. Mm-hmm. That's what leadership is. It's an interactive relationship whereby you do these things to be in that position, but we get a result. And that result usually is winning in, uh, on your part. And so, uh, but to be able to grow and, 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 and to smooth all the edges off of your game and your personality, the first two or three years in the league, you arrived probably in the third year where it was complete and it lasted for the rest of your career. Yeah. And you made adjustments and you had to make adjustments throughout your career for the personnel that we had coming in. And so even though your best years were, your best scoring years were after Shaq left, you yeah. know, I mean. I was getting to the money. MB- <laughs> <laughs> no, the MVP years, those were the, I call the MV- the real MVP years. We just didn't have, have the kind of team that we needed. Yeah. You know? 
it, you know, no, I'm not going to even go there. I was going to go to my team that I was having a ball and knowing <laughs> you ain't got a chance in a lot of games. I remember one game we were playing the Lakers. Yeah. And uh, I would have, you know, Earl Barron was my center and I had, yeah. you know, these kind of guys. And Kobe looked at me. He was, they was trapping me. Yeah. And a guy was like calling for help. And he just started laughing at me. He was like, yeah, you about to go through it. You know, like go through what I, what I went through. Good luck. And that helps. It does. It Absolutely. It, it doesn't humble you. I mean, you, it makes you more angry. I mean, you used to get angry. <laughs> you would be seething, you know, and, and, and well, I can't do it all, uh, but I do need a little bit of help. And, and they gave you as much as they could. They, they could, could always give you what their level of yeah. talent was and what I allowed them, you know, to do around you, you know, as a coach. So but that's some of those are your favorite years, yeah. though, too. You know, yeah. like everybody thinks on the outside that the championship years mm-hmm. automatically has to be your favorite. No, no. But some of those years where you're playing with guys who are maybe not at that level that, you know, like a LeBron and Shaq, those become some of your favorite seasons mm-hmm. because you get so much more out of those sometimes. Right. Like you squeeze all the juice out the limit yeah. in those teams and yeah. you see, you, you you learn a lot about yourself. You see a lot of growth in your teammates. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you walk away like, you know what, we didn't win, but this was a successful year from that standpoint. Right. No. Yeah. Well, as, as you said, you know, you, you squeeze the lemon, yeah. you get exactly what's inside of it, you know, lemon, <laughs> lemonade, okay? And, uh, and I always used to use that analogy that if you squeeze the player, when there's pressure, yeah. you get exactly what's inside also. Yeah. And you don't want lemonade. <laughs> you know, so, and, uh, and so pressure has a tendency to change uh, over the course of a career, a season, and then especially when you go through adversity, like you went through, won the championship, separated your shoulder, surgery, you know, rehab, the Olympics, you know, all that stuff. And then, you know, we draft bees. Yeah. I love Mike. Man, what a Super talent talented. he is. Yeah, what a I talent. I mean, to this day. And, and I wanted to keep him when we got the big three, but, uh, uh, but I don't know, we had to move him and Mike came in. But, but that team was where you could almost, you know, use it as a canvas and how, how you're going to get to the next level. And I think that team taught you how to sort of get to the next level also by having to share yeah. the court. So, Rob, you, yeah. you walk in a lot of rooms nowadays, and you've been doing it for a very long time. Yeah. And you talk about, like, leader, right? A lot of people talk about leading yeah. and being a leader. How do you actually do that? How do you actually take that first step to say, you know what, I'm going to lead. I'm going to stand up in front of a group of men, women, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be king. I'm going to be leader. What is, how do you do that? Well, it's an attitude first. I mean, and it's born out of, uh, I mean, I wasn't a leader. Uh, I was always a guy that, you know, was on the you know, bench as mm-hmm. a player. So uh, I knew how to follow leaders. I knew how to take direction. I knew how to sort of deal with my role. So I learned a lot, you know, about not being a leader or uh, seeing what leaders really do, coaches and players. Uh, in my career until I became a coach. And so I was always good at clinics. So when I went to a clinic, I was good. I could teach drills. I could talk to kids. Mm-hmm. And so I had I had this inside of my brain about X's and O's and moving things around. And I remembered what coaches used to say to me and stuff. And so, but when Jerry West pushed me through the door in 1981, November 9th or whatever it was, 1981 or 18th, and he said, uh, he said to me, he said, this is you. This is yours. Yeah. You know, this, I, 
I'm going to be the head coach of a $100 million franchise. And Jerry Buss was very, he was saying, what? You know, Pat never coached a day in his life or in, in things like that. So when he pushed me through the door and I went home that night and I said, Chris, I'm going to coach the Lakers for the next month until they find somebody else. I said, I don't know what I'm going to say to him tomorrow. And uh, she said, you know, why don't you keep it simple? <laughs> you, know, she, you know, Chris is a, a prayer warrior, you know, and so, you know, we've been together 55 years. And wow. she said, house divided against itself surely will not stand. That's what she said to me. Start there, which is a biblical verse, obviously, and because we were in disarray and dissension and all that stuff at the time, and that you're either with me or against me. Mm -hmm. You're either with us or against us. So that's the message that I, I just walked right in with that message, and then I started to uh, to talk about where we had to go. And and uh, and so I always believed, Wayne, that when you're in, in a position of leadership as a coach, I always had to figure out what I was going to say to the guys. You know, the next day, you know, pre-practice, mm -hmm. post-practice, pre-game, halftime. I thought about all these things. I used to write down little words about, okay, this would be a good little place to start maybe at halftime if we're up or down. So you got to have something to say to them that might resonate with them. Some won't like it, some will. And then when you go directly at somebody, which I didn't have a, I didn't have a problem doing that because yeah. I think it was the truth. Yeah. And that was criticism, constructive criticism, but a lot of players would resent it. And, but I felt that I had to get to that truth. I remember when Zoe, when I was coaching Zoe, and I was pushing him real hard in practice one day, and, and Zoe was the best. He never so said it. He just worked. He, he worked hard. So I, I shouldn't even just went after him, but but I went after him one day. And uh, not in a real negative way, but I went after him hard because I wanted to motivate him to motivate the other guys. And, and so he gave me the F.U. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> <laughs> so everything comes to a silence, you know, in the practice. And we're over at LaSalle at the time. That's when we played the Miami Arena. And... Uh, I looked at him and he looked at me and he said to me, he said, should I go? <laughs> I said, where? Should I leave the practice floor? I said, you're right. You're not here. <laughs> you know? and so he walked into the locker room and on the way out, I said, I said, I yelled at him. I said, so if you ever say that to me again, that's fine. I just want you to teach me something as to why you said F you to me. Okay. Teach me why. I can take it. And he came into my office after that, and he would he would tell me exactly what he thought as a leader that I was doing that was disrupting the players. And yeah. so I listened to him, you know, like the conversations I used to have with you guys. You yeah. Do you now, I got a funny story about you, but I won't tell it now. But anyhow, <laughs> you got to have something to say. <laughs> what I say. Dwayne, I had stuff to say every day, you know. So you got to have something to say as a leader every day to your troops, but not to overwhelm Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. 
Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Y. That's code Y, W-H-Y, for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Wade today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot Wade. What do you think about all these things that have come out about your motivational speeches? Like some of them are real, some of them are not. Like people say you've tied bags over your head. You've they're all real. <laughs> <laughs> I just need you to you, say you saw it. a few of them. Yeah. I, see them. Yeah. I dunked my head down. You dunked your head in a, in a water bowl thing. Yeah. But uh I think I would do them to get their attention, one, mm-hmm. because you know it's hard to keep a group of guys' attention for 82 games for, Jesus, nine months and practices and everything. And so every now and then, or to make a point. You know, I can remember, and this came from Jimmy Johnson. You know, I remember I brought, oh, God, I brought a two-by-four by 12 into the locker room. <laughs> a two-by-four. Where you by get two. this from? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just got it. YouTube? I mean, and like. No, no. And so I brought the two-by-four in the locker room, yeah. and I placed it down. All the guys were ready because we had a rule. You had to be taped ready, dressed, and everything ready. And then you got to rush out of there under the court. And so I, they all looked at the two-by-four, and I got on the two-by-four, and I walked across it without falling off it, balanced myself, walked right across it. And I said, well, somebody else can come up and and walk. And you know, a couple guys came up and walked across it, and they laughed. Oh, I could do it too. I said, what if we put that 200 feet in the air? That now is spanning two buildings, 200 feet in the air. Changes it. 
changes the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's called fear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not doing that. You know? Here it's easy, but up here is where you have to play. And so, you know, my, my whole theory about that is that you can play on the floor, mm. but if you want to beat Dwayne or you want to beat Michael or you want to beat Kobe or you want to beat any of these guys, you got to meet them at the rim. Mm. You got to get up there at the rim and meet them there. Otherwise, they're going to dunk on you and embarrass you. But also, a subtle message was sent about you meet somebody at the rim. What happens? I mean, what happens? It's, it's, it's a collision, man. Yeah, it's either you <laughs> somebody's going to end on the me. floor. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I had one rule. I said, I said, if you meet him at the rim and you take somebody out, you got to go out with them. You don't want to hurt anybody, but you got to meet him at the rim. Yeah, Michael, you got to meet him at the rim, or it's over. And so uh, that's why playing up here, playing on two by four by 12. That changes everything. <laughs> a little fear, yeah. Down here and up yeah. there. So anyway, I would think about some of these things and yeah. I would I would talk to either Stan or I'd talk to, you know, to Bob or somebody and I'd say, you know, what do you think? Oh, that'd be great. Go ahead and do that. <laughs> and Bob said, that's stupid. <laughs> that'd be stupid. They're going to laugh at you. I said, well, maybe they need a laugh or something, you know, like that. But... I remember ours with you, but I'm not going to get into that anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> when when the cameras were off, we were talking, going back to your Laker days yeah. for a minute. When the cameras were off, we were talking about uh, Jerry West, who you reference a lot throughout your playing career, obviously going into coaching. But we talked about one of the the main pillars of this heat culture, and it's the it's best condition. Right. And so you talked about how, as a player, you had to make sure that you were in top right. shape and condition. Right. And a lot of it was to prepare the other best players, which is Jerry sure. West, to be ready. Right. Can you talk about that? Because now I know where we where we got all this conditioning from and all this sure. hard work. Hard well, that's one of it. But but the other thing was, you know, you know, it's the fight or flight uh, you know, syndrome. Because I, I had tremendous fear yeah. that I wasn't gonna survive and have a job. So there were no no cut contracts back then except for stars so i never had a guaranteed contract and so i was told by bill Sharman uh when he came to coach the lakers in 71 72 he came over from the utah stars mm -hmm. in the aba and of course you know he's a former celtic and he brought casey jones with him and jerry west calls me on the phone and said said i can't believe that jack kent cook wouldn't hired Bill Sharman and Casey Jones, who beat me six times in the finals in Boston, you know? So this was like the Boston Celtics and Red Auerbach coming to coach the Lakers. And so he was really upset about it. But he, he realized how good, great a coach that, that Bill was. So Bill sees me in the summer, calls me in for a meeting, and he says, look, it, I don't know how this is going to go, you know? And I'm thinking my career's over with the Lakers. He said, but if you will... Come to training camp, and if you win the mile, he used to have a mile race, okay. and then you win all the, the sprints, and you win all the suicides, and and you play defense against Jerry and Gail Goodrich and Jim McMillan every day hard and Elgin Baylor. He said, if you do that and show me that, he said, I, I think you can make the team and help us mm. as a defender. And so that whole summer, that's what I did. I got in the best shape of my life. And I didn't. I realized that I wasn't in great shape, and then I got into the best shape of my life. I went to training camp. I accomplished all those things, yeah. and I made the team. And so, I said, if this is all I have to do to make the team, 
then I'm going to do it. And, and you know what happened? The residual reward of that was I didn't play for the first six or seven games. Yeah. And then I started to play. He called my name because I was in shape. And he sent me after Frazier. He sent me after all of these guys, Earl Monroe. And, you know, it's like meeting somebody at the rim. Yeah. My job was to survive, so I manhandled them. <laughs> and they used to let you hand check back in the day. And even though they'd still score on me, I would, I would do things. But my conditioning always kept me in the game. And then he got me into the rotation. And I, I became part of what they called in 71, 72, the Magnificent Seven. I was with Flynn Robinson and myself. So that is why okay. I carried that with me. Okay. Best condition. and But you know as well as I do, you can't, you could not have played at the level you played. And the way that I coached you or anybody else coached you, unless you were in top shape, top you shape. just couldn't. You, you no. couldn't be efficient. Yeah. And you were the best condition uh, athlete, you know, one of them that we've ever had here. And so... And it, and the results showed that. How do you how do you like telling someone get in shape? Right. Okay. How do you know that you in like how do you know you're getting in shape? Like how do you know you at that level? Like what did you do to because you said you thought you were in shape and yeah. then you right. got in shape. Well, you know. I, I mean you just no, I mean I He's used to pushing run yourself the same, past like Yeah. Your no, I didn't I didn't have any like monitors on me telling me that stuff. I just you know, I could see it. I had a, you know, believe me, I had a six pack. I, I did sit ups. I used to run in the sand. Uh, there's this, 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 uh, this long 600 foot hill on uh, Sunset Boulevard by UCLA. I'd, I'd run up that and run back, go into the gym and play, run the steps, whatever I could to, to push myself. Yeah. I just knew I was in shape, and, uh, and it saved my career one time too. You know, you know, one of the great stories nobody really knows about was Talk in to me. 71, 72. So Jack Kent Cook uh, reads this story about this, the street ball player, a, a really great player in New York in Rucker, uh, the Rucker League and everything, a guy named Joe Hammonds. Okay. He was called the helicopter. And so there was some noise around the NBA back at the time that, that, Joe Hammond, who never played college basketball, was going to come off the streets and play in the NBA somewhere, and that the Lakers were interested in him. So we're flying back to New York to play the Knicks, and we get out of the cabs at the hotel. No buses back then, cabs. And, and uh, Casey Jones comes up to me, and he says, uh, go up and get dressed and come on back downstairs. We're going to go to practice. I said, I thought we had today, you know, the day off. Or, so I come downstairs, Bill Sharman, Casey Jones, myself, get into a cab, and we go to a gym somewhere. Mm -hmm. Walk into the gym, I look across, and I see Joe Hammond and a friend. And uh, <laughs> so Casey says to me, you better be good today. <laughs> He's because it's a one-on-one -on -one deal. Yeah. And, uh, and he was great. He was a talented, talented player. Absolutely. Better than I was, yeah. you know? And so I said to Bill, I said, could we warm up for like 10 minutes first so we can get a good sweat? I just got off a flight and I said, him too. <laughs> and <laughs> so we started running suicides. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Now let's do some shooting. Get warmed up. Okay. And he started to get gassed because uh -huh. he wasn't in any kind of shape I was in. Then we played one-on-one -on -one and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he won some, I won some, we went, Okay, can we go set, run, run? So it's a full court game. And and so we get back in the car, go back to the hotel, and I'm like worried to death. 
Casey calls me on the phone. He said, "Don't worry about it. You know, I mean, this, we can't we can't bring Joe, you know, to L.A." So it was him or you. Like yes. this was that kind of workout. I think, I think it was. You know, but the story goes: if you Google it up, and I did. Joe Hammond said he kicked my ass, <laughs> even to this day. He said, when I worked out uh, against Pat Riley, they sent Pat Riley in, in to work out with me, and I kicked his ass, and, and I didn't want to play for the Lakers or whatever it is. And uh, I never got to meet him. I, I wanted to meet him again somewhere just to say hello to him. It sort of reminds me of, uh, of the game that I played in 66, you know, Glory Road game against Texas Western. I became very good friends with all those guys. Yeah. And but I, I would have liked to get got back with Joe because those were the moments some of us go through, you know, from that standpoint. I yeah. don't know why I got into that story, but I did. <laughs> no, I'm glad you know you said hey, not a lot of people have heard that. No. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Y. That's code Y, W-H-Y, for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Look at that photo right there. Bob, put that photo up. There it is. Who is that guy right there? Well, look at look how cut I was, man. I mean, in shape, body fat was probably five percent. Beard was perfect. Sonny Bono look. That's what it is. Look at that guy. Yeah, look at that guy. So and did you get did you get a chance to pick your number back then, or you just got a jersey? Twelve. No, I was number twelve. Did you pick twelve, or they just gave it to no, you because I picked that was what twelve? I don't okay. know why, but I picked twelve. Uh, I had a jersey. I was forty-two. 54, 42, and then 12 was my number. Yeah. You know, but you see this wristband right here? Uh -huh. Guess what? Because my hands are so small, is that underneath that wrist, wristband was a bunch of stick. So I'd always put stick them and I'd get all over my fingers so I could handle the ball. Yeah. And it used to really upset all the players, like Jerry West. Knew when I was because you know, <laughs> the ball would be yeah sticky. he didn't like it <laughs> you know? he says and he give it to the official I say no Jerry I need it and he said throw it to the official and and then they started finding and oh you can see it right here you see yeah, you, you see, you it see the, it's right over there stick them so I could handle the ball and the other guy that used to use it all the time wow. was uh, Don Nelson he was the same way he used stick them all the time <laughs> so how do you how do you go I mean this is this is a good looking guy. So we go from this good-looking guy, but then we get to the, the Pat Riley on the sideline phase of life. The Amani suits and the... <laughs> what, what, how did you develop this character right here? What did this character that's come from? That's who I was. So this is who you, you know, was without being on the sideline yeah, on the Lakers. I mean, that's who I, that, that's who I became in like 78, 79 when I was a broadcaster. Okay. So before I, you know, then I, I was always sort of natally dressed and my dad taught me at a young age that when you go out of the house be groomed you know and so i always had that in me yeah i just didn't have the money to buy any clothes you know back then but uh, we found a tailor in in la myself jerry west uh, happy harrison and then everybody started to go to this one tailor and he started making the suits and stuff and uh, this is long before armani and so I just believed that if you're the head coach and you're going to be put in front of a team, in front of 20,000 people, mm -hmm. that a leader should, the first thing a leader should have is, is he should have a presence and he's got to be able to communicate and he's, he's got to be able to deal with real adversity. Mm -hmm. Those are the three things. But the presence is important. And so looking the part, you know, I mean, they don't want me to come out here and look like some guy that was wearing these big collared shirts in the 70s or 80s or whatever it is. I think the fans want to see somebody who's respectful as a leader and the players also from that standpoint, you know. So I wasn't trying to show up. <laughs> And, uh, and then all of a sudden it became something else. It yeah. became bigger than what it was. GQ magazine. I, I never tried. I never tried to do any of that stuff until 88. So between 82 and 88, I never did anything commercial-wise. And then I did too much. I did too many things. Yeah. Even when I went on to New York. And that wasn't good because I think some of the players got upset that I was doing a lot of stuff and they weren't doing things. And, I, and so I stopped doing things. You know? So we we talked about that a lot in our in our meetings. You always would say, "Keep the main thing, the main yeah. thing." You know, yeah. when I start getting these endorsement deals right. and 
Right. My time started getting spread it all around. You start. Right. You always tell me keep the main thing, the main thing, right. because you can lose you yourself. Have to. Yeah, in the midst of mm-hmm. you know of all the the lights, right? You know that comes with you, and I've always kept that in mind. Like even you know yeah. even through it all, it's like all right, what's the main thing? Yeah. Is it family? Is it what is the main focus? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, well, that's a perspective that I think anybody in your position, anybody who becomes really great at something in a profession, where all of a sudden the outside world wants you, they want a piece of you. Yeah you know, to promote their products, to travel, to wear their shoes, or whatever it is. And, and I think that's one of the one of the great things about, about today is that players have an opportunity to really, because it's a short career, theoretically, even though you could play, you know, 20 years or eight or nine or whatever it is, that you have a chance to really uh, create generational wealth yeah. in, in, in a way with the outside stuff. So, but I think most players are very, very mindful that continue to be great, that this is a part of it. Okay, so if you want eight days of filming and six days of photographing and I got to move all, you know, you got to really negotiate that stuff down. <laughs> Otherwise, it will it'd distract the hell yeah, out of you. It'll take you know, over. So it'll take over. So, yeah. Yeah. So we, oh, perfect. I was just about to go to this moment. So let's go to 2003. We got this photo right here of Zaire and I when we came here to yep. this arena. Now, the story goes, Pat, and I tell a story and you've mm-hmm. told a story that you kind of became aware of me when I played against yep. Kentucky. Absolutely. It's going well, back before to your that. But, but yeah. that was the game. Yeah. That was my, and this photo right mm-hmm. here is, I mean, let's say weeks later. Like, let's just go weeks later after after I have my triple double yeah. versus uh Kentucky. Yeah. What what did you see in me? I mean, I, I know I wasn't the first pick in the draft, but I was the Heat's first pick in the draft that year. What did you see in me as a fifth pick that make you take that chance on on me as a player? Well, at that time, we were really desperate. <laughs> <laughs> we, like we had Karan. We had Karan, yeah. We had, we had yeah. Karan. I love Karan. Shout out to CB. You know, Karan was, uh, uh, he was the guy that fell. In the draft, he was supposed to be picked fourth. He and went fifth tenth. because he had a knee. He went tenth. He went tenth. Yeah. So he fell to us, and I said, "Wow, I mean, we we have Crown Butler, and I loved his attitude. I loved his backstory. You know, I mean, God, Crown is to this day. That's why he's coaching here, and mm-hmm. not because of that. He's his integrity, his his grit, his life, and and what he can teach our guys is incredible. And so we had Crown. Uh, you know, we had Eddie, we had Brian, and you know, so we draft you, and we got. And then we got another guy that came in with you that mm-hmm. year. But uh, when I saw you in Milwaukee, we were playing the Bucks, and I had to go across the street from the hotel and get on. I was on a treadmill mm-hmm. or a bike, and they had the game on. And so I'm watching the game, and I'm pedaling my ass off and you know, trying to get a sweat and all that. It's cold as hell. <laughs> and uh, And I just saw something special. And I say this because, you know, greatness stands out. It just stands out. And and there are a lot of great players running up and down that court, yeah. great athletes, great players, other players who are very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, who was your teammate, the big guy? That, Rob Jackson. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I liked him, yeah. too, you know, the way he played. But, but you just stood out, Dwayne, and you dominated and – 
I, I, I can say, I, I didn't know how big they were. I said, his hands are huge, you know, the length of his arms, all the things that I think great athletes need in this game to dominate. I don't care what sport it is. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you had it. And, uh, but I saw the fierceness also there. And uh, so I, I was sold at that time. But at the draft, the night of the draft, there's this story that went around that I wanted to take Chris Kamen. Yeah, because we needed a big. big Zoe was gone. Mm -hmm. Zoe had had left the team, and so we needed a big. And Chris was there. I didn't know. You know, we had the fifth pick. If Chris was going to drop, or you're going to get picked early, uh, it was LeBron, Carmelo, and uh, who was third? Well, Darko went third. Oh, Darko. Darko went second. He went second. Carmelo went third. Yeah. And so now it's. when when Chris Bosch went up to uh, Chris to went Tor- forth to Toronto, yeah, Toronto. Yeah. Then it was our pick, and everybody thought I was going to take Chris Kamen, who is a good player. You know, he's seven footer. He had a nice career in this league, but you know, I mean, one thing I always did was was keep my cards very close on draft night, very <laughs> close. Even the guys inside. Okay, we'd all meet. Uh-huh. Everybody give their opinion. Give me your list. Everybody had their list. And I'd take it all in, then I'd meet with Chet, okay? And and Chet and I would sit there and go over it, and, and usually we would come into an agreement. So, no, you were the best player. You were the best player for us at that time. Yeah. And I thought you were the best player in the draft at that time, too. And then guess what? You got to play with Chris, and you got to play with LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, like, five years later, I said, wow, you know, this is Nirvana. But, uh, yeah, that's what I saw. I, I yeah. saw right off the page, he's a young kid, he's a mature kid. Um, and then when we started to dive into, into the whole history of, of, of Dwayne Wade, then, you know, you just learned something about, you know, why, you know, you got to where you were and how hungry you were. And so that picture coming in and holding Zaire. One year old, Zaire. Just one year old. Just, uh, <laughs> and it seems like yesterday, Dwayne, you know, it was 2003 and uh, – and here it is, we're you know already twenty years later, so it's just like time flies. Yeah. I said, where, where where does it go? And 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 I get sad. It, it makes me sad that I said, how did those twenty years already go with Dwayne? You know, and all the other players that that I coached that you know it just it just went by so fast. The game is, and the seasons are so fast that you sort of forget everything and leave it in the dust until you retire, and you say, how did it go? that fast yeah. you it's, know i mean i can't believe i'm sitting on you're interviewing side. me and i'm <laughs> sitting here you can't believe i'm like five years yeah. from removed sitting know, on this side i know unbelievable right? i still think you can play you know yeah. they should have an old man's league now. i can play my knees don't want to play with me i can i can hoop no you just put These some braces things, right? on there put some braces on there we put the, some the, the acl one braces right but i've always said that you know you know the three on three uh what's it called the big, the three? big three yeah uh, is to have the the Hall of Famers, or the the truly great players only. Maybe have you know six teams and play three on three half court. <laughs> That'd be ugly <laughs> basketball. It'd be ugly. Probably <laughs> right. <laughs> We're gonna cut off part one right there. It was amazing talking to Coach Riley. It's always amazing talking to Coach Riley, but getting a chance to talk to him about getting drafted in 2003. Uh, one of the most important moments for me, but also one of my favorite photos, is having my son Zaire there with me as well. And coming up in part two, we're going to talk to Coach Riley about how heat culture 
was created. This culture word is something that everyone wants to know about. How, what is the heat culture? How is the heat culture? What does it mean? And so we were here from the man himself who created heat culture, Pat Riley, coming soon. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.